My name is Kevin Haybaum Valmers, and welcome to another edition of Gazillion Voices Radio, a partnership between Gazillion Voices Magazine and KFAI. Joining me for this conversation is Maya Ludke, calling in from Cambridge, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Cambridge. Cambridge? Cambridge, right? Cambridge. No, I'm totally kidding. Okay, welcome to the conversation, Maya. How are you? Hi. Um, I'm very well. Thank you. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, um, you keep some really long hours doing something. What are you doing right now? Yes, I am currently serving with City Year Boston, which is a program through AmeriCorps, and I serve full-time at a school in the third grade, uh, about 13 hours a day, so yes, very long hours. Let's hear a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and so forth. Can you introduce um, yourself to the audience? Sure. So I recently graduated high school in Cambridge, and I... I wanted to do something before going to college um, that I was really passionate about, um, and I love public service, so City Year was a wonderful way for me to do that and give back and explore my passion for children and education, um, and next year I will be attending Wellesley College um, with a environmental studies major, and I hope to pursue a career in environmental science. And I was I was adopted from China when I was younger, when I was nine months old. And I am currently working on a project with my mother about a trip that we took back to my hometown two summers ago. Hmm. So uh, can you talk about the project? It's called uh, Touching Home, right? Yes. It is called Touching Home in China in Search of Missing Girlhoods. You just finished recently, in the last uh, few weeks, a Indiegogo campaign, right? Yes, we had an Indiegogo campaign um, going for one month in our aim to raise $40,000. And with the help of so many wonderful people, we, we reached our goal. Um, so the project is definitely underway. We have one chapter, Chapter 2, that is out as our kind of model chapter for people to, to see what the project will look like when it is finished. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, tell us more about the project. What is it exactly? So it is an enhanced iBook, currently downloadable on iTunes, um, to be seen on iBooks. And it's a transmedia platform that includes text and videos and pictures um, and graphics to really give people of any age um, just various ways to interact with our story um, and engage in whatever way that they find interesting. Could you um, talk about the storyline a little bit? Sure. So, um, as I said, I was adopted from a small town called Xiaxi in, in Changzhou, China, when I was nine months old by my mother, Melissa. And 
two summers ago, we went back to my hometown with my crib mate, the girl who was in the crib right next to me in the orphanage, mm-hmm. who I've actually stayed very close friends with over the years. Um, and we went back to to meet the girls who weren't adopted and to see what what would happen if if two American teenagers um, went back to their farming towns where we were ba- abandoned as babies um, and to learn what it would be like to grow up as as girls um, in the 21st century in China um, and kind of see what our lives would have been like had we not been adopted. So what was your takeaway from that? Um, it was definitely overwhelming, but it was really... It was a really wonderful experience. Um, very fortunate to have. Um, it was just—it was interesting to see, to see how different I—I've grown up to to perceive the world and the different experiences I've had, and to realize how how different our our lives are, um, especially our perceptions of what it means to be smart, um, whether that's just studying or building more worldly skills and um, getting to talk about issues of adoption and identity. Um, so it was it was wonderful to be able to, you know, bring up those those ideas with the girls who, who probably hadn't ever been asked those questions before. Hmm. Without disclosing too much, could you talk about what was said by some of the uh, girls that you talked with? Yes, definitely. Um, so there... Their lives are definitely um, based around, um, you know, studying for tests, um, especially the Gaokao, to get the chance to go to a um, a four-year college. So their their lives are definitely um, um, definitely confined by having to study and and not you know not getting the chance to do anything else and. Uh, you know, here I am walking in, um, you know, having danced and having um, taken environmental studies courses and done things that I, I found passionate, um, passion for. Um, so I guess their, just their notion of, of what it means to be a teenager and um, go through the education system is very different. They, they see America as this perfect, perfect place. Um, where education is easy and where we have all this freedom, and although their their ideas are, they do have truth. Um, it's also it was also kind of hard to hear those things about hmm. um, about my life. Could you expand upon that? How why was it difficult to hear that? Um, because it is it is true that you know we are so fortunate to or I'm so fortunate to have the life I have and to have the education and the, that I have and to have met the people that I've encountered in my life. But I still I still do think that I that I work hard and um I have rules to follow. Um and not everything in our system is perfect, you know, there still are a lot of problems um in America. Right, right. One of the things that I've been really surprised by, um in regards to young adoptees such as yourself is that mm-hmm. some of your experiences very much match the experiences of individuals who are older, such as myself and my generation of, for example, Korean adoptees. 
And one of the topics that get frequently brought up is this search for identity and kind of straddling that line between are we Chinese or Korean to are we part of the white community that we were adopted into. Did that kind of play a part into why it was kind of difficult to hear that from the young girls that you talk with? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, I think that definitely is um, kind of a universal across um, the adoptee community is that search for identity and where we fit on the scale of of being Asian and becoming American um, and this idea that we we look or I look Chinese on the outside but on the inside I'm really white and if, if that center of my being isn't Chinese and you know I might as well be white I may as well not have that um, that other part of my identity um, so it's, it's definitely challenging to be in a place for the first time where where I look where I look like everybody but I struggled with language and I struggled with customs and um, and wasn't wasn't the same completely so that was um, that was challenging for me, and I think also for the girls that I met, um, is how can someone who seems so so similar also be so different at the same time? Hmm. Uh, not to sp- you don't have to speak for her, but what was your friend's experience like? Obviously, you two have had the opportunity to kind of decompress and talk about the uh, talk about your mutual experiences. Did she have a similar run at it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I. I went in with a little bit of an advantage. I have studied Mandarin Chinese, and um, I've done Chinese dance, so I've been more um, um, more accustomed to, to Chinese culture, where she studied French and um, is Jewish and hasn't hasn't had as much exposure. Mm-hmm. So I think it was more challenging where to be in a place where um, you know, she couldn't communicate even one word with them. Um, there's definitely a lot um, of a relationship that builds between language, so that was definitely challenging. But I think we both struggled in the same in the same ways of kind of not really knowing where we fit in. When we started talking about this conversation, when we began this conversation, you mentioned that you have a passion for public service. Could you talk about that? Yeah. Um, and I think it I do have I do have a passion for public service, and I think um, it actually ties pretty closely into um, myself uh, having been adopted, um, mm. and that it gives me a, a deeper um, sense of gratitude for everything that I have, um, and for for surviving birth and for, for surviving um, abandonment and um, and being privileged to come. To America, and you know, now I just I want to be able to share my story and hopefully influence other adoptees or um, or just you know any any young person who's um, also struggling with identity. Uh, it's just happy a happy feeling to be able to give back, whether that's um, you know by talking uh, with someone like you or or going out and and mentoring other other girls, or um, doing physical service. Yeah, it's very interesting talk with you because, on the one hand, you are talking about you, know, you mentioned you use the word privilege, right? And then simultaneously, you um, also talked about 
that you know re- despite the privilege you've had some difficulties in, in terms of the search for identity which is a lifelong experience how do you how do you grapple with that um i guess you know one step at a time um it's really it's been it's been um wonderful now that i am getting older to be able to kind of go on this journey on my own and and get the the experience and the interactions that i that i want and not have someone else um do it for me so mm-hmm. yes um it is kind of an, an interesting mix of of emotions and feelings um between yes being being privileged but also um not really being sure of who I am quite yet. I, I'm always amazed these days. I mean, I'm I'm pushing 40, close to being 40 years old, and to talk with individuals such as yourself who are, you know, clearly adults, but you know, you're still on the early side of being an adult. You're a young adult, and your grasp of your life experiences about being an adoptee, in addition to where you want to be going, it's. It's a very nuanced and complex conversations that many of you are having, and it's for me personally, it's really good to see that. Yeah, definitely, and it's something I'd like to to continue. Cool, cool. So, when does the uh, book officially come out? Um, the launch date, the official launch date, um, is in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it coincides with the the day or the day that Hillary Clinton gave for her speech about how. Um, women's rights are, are human rights and uh, mm. human rights are women's rights um, so hope, we're hoping for um, definitely a global reach um, in 2015 in September fantastic fantastic well is there anything that else that you want to add um, I mean I'm just hoping that um, you know this project can reach as many as many girls or boys um out there and really hoping to see where it can go. Cool. Um, if people want to find the project, where do they go? Definitely. So the project is downloadable um, in the iBook store. Mm-hmm. So on iTunes, it takes about um, eight minutes and it's a free download. Uh, but you can also find us um, on Facebook. We have a very updated Facebook page about stories, not necessarily about our project, but also about other events and, and news about women in China, um, so that's great. And also, I believe on Twitter, so many platforms. Fantastic. Well, best of luck on the project, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it coming out. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you So much for talking with me. Yeah. No problem. Thank you, and uh, I look forward to seeing your other work in the future as well. I suspect that we'll be hearing from you again. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.